Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's a good morning. I say it's a good morning. Why? Because this morning we can be from Shimabhavata. How fortunate we are. And we, we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 23, Maharaj Prithu's Going Back Home. And this is verse 39, which is the very last verse of the chapter. It's the last verse of the entire uh, description of Maharaj Prithu's pastimes, his adventures. And so we can try to recite. This uh, verse is an unusual meter. And I must say, I couldn't really catch how to chant it nicely. Uh, it has the first and third lines are shorter than the second and fourth lines. So, uh, anyway, we do what we can. Anudinam idam adarena shinban Anudinam idam adarena shinban Anudinam Idam Adarena Shinban Anudinam Idam Adarena Shinban Pritu Charitam Pradayan Vimukta Sangaha 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 Bhagavati Bhava Sindhu Potapade Bhagavati Bhava Sindhu Potapade Bhagavati Bhava Bhagavati Bhava Sindhu Potapade Bhagavati Bhava Sindhu Potapade Sachanipunam Labate Ratim Manusha Sachanipunam Labate Ratim Manusha Sachanipunam Labate Ratim Manusha Sachanipunam Labate Ratim Manusha Anudinam idam adarena shinban Anudinam idam adarena shinban Pritu charitam pratayan vimukta sangha Pritu charitam pratayan vimukta sangha Bhagavati bhava sindhu potapade Bhagavati bhava sindhu potapade Sacha nipunam labate ratim manushaha Sacha nipunam labate ratim manushaha Yeah, so what is it? <laughs> Anudinam Anudinam Day after day, day after day, idam, idam this, this, adarena, adarena, with great respect, with great respect, shinban, shinban, hearing, hearing, pritucharitam, pritucharitam, 
the narration of Prithu Maharaj. Pratayan chanting, vimukta liberated, sangha association, Bhagavati unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Baba Sindhu. Baba Sindhu. What's happening? The ocean of existence. Yes, the ocean of nations. Bhuta. The boat. Hade. Whose lotus feet? Whose lotus feet? He. Cha, also, also. Nipunam, Nipunam, complete, complete. Lavate, achieves, Pratim, attachment, Manusha, Manusha, the person, translation and purport by his divine grace. Translation, whoever, with great reverence and adoration, regularly reads, chants, and describes the history of Maharaj Prithu's activities, will certainly increase unflinching faith and attraction for the lotus feet of the Lord. The Lord's lotus feet are the boat by which one can cross the ocean of nations. You know this word unflinching? Flinching, unflinching? When you flinch, it's, mm, it's when you sort of, somebody pokes you pokes you in the, in the stomach, <laughs> you flinch. <clears throat> so uh, to be unflinching is, even if someone pokes you, you're not disturbed. So unflinching faith. Purport, the word bhava-sindhu-potapade is significant in this verse. The lotus feet of the Lord are known as Mahatpadam. This means that uh, the total source of material existence rests on the lotus feet of the Lord. As stated in Bhagavad Gita 10.8, Aham Sarvasya Prabhava. <laughs> Prabhupada just quoted the first line. Everything is emanating from him. Uh, this cosmic manifestation, which is compared to an ocean's ocean of nations, is also resting on the lotus feet of the Lord. As such, this great ocean of nations is minimized by a person who is a pure devotee. 
One who has taken shelter at the lotus feet of the Lord need not cross over the ocean, for he's already crossed it by virtue of his position at the Lord's lotus feet. By hearing and chanting of the glories of the Lord, or the Lord's devotee, one can become firmly fixed in the service of the lotus feet of the Lord. This position can also be achieved very easily by narrating the history of the life of Prithu Maharaj regularly, every day. The word Vimukta Sangha is also significant in this connection because we associate with the three qualities of material nature. Our position in this material world is full of dangers. But when we engage in the devotional service of the Lord by the process of Shravanam and Kirtanam, we immediately become Vimukta Sangha or liberated. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the fourth canto, 23rd chapter of the Sriman Bhagavatam entitled Maharaj Prithu's Going Back Home. So Maharaj Prithu's Going Back Home is a devotional success story. There are many devotional success stories in the Bhagavatam. And they, generally, we can say, they give us inspiration. Oh, there's hope. We can become, uh, we can follow in their footsteps and we can go, also go to the transcendental spiritual abode. I say generally, why? Because what it could have it could have the opposite effect. <laughs> we could read and we could say, oh yeah, well, you know, what do you expect? This is Pritu, uh, King Pritu. And after all, King Pritu is, he is, um, what is he? He's a Shakti Avesha avatar, right? Am I a Shakti Avesha avatar of anything <laughs> or anyone? <laughs> Forget it. So. What's the use? What's the hope? Uh, that sense could be there. Also, all these descriptions of uh, outstanding Bhagavatas. It's called the Bhagavata Purana because uh, it's about Bhagavatas and about uh, the activities of Bhagavatas. So there's the word Bhagavan, and then a Bhagavata, the long A, is anyone related to Bhagavan. So um, all these stories, we might feel that they are um, beyond our grasp in the sense of they may feel mm, fantastic, too fantastical. Um, uh, and therefore, uh, a, a, a sort of um, 
the tendency uh, that most people have in hearing, reading these accounts is, aha, uh -huh, this is mythology. And therefore, it's dismissible. Uh, and mythology, the term, unfortunately, has come to mean fiction. Uh, although, originally, myth was not fiction. The myth was deeper reality. It was the, the truth behind the apparent uh, ways of the world. Um, and so, while Prabhupada insists repeatedly that these accounts are history, <laughs> uh, he explains the word itihasa as history. Um, because itihasa, uh, this is a typical expression in the Upanishads, iti, thus, ha, indeed, asa, it happened. Is, <laughs> is the word itihasa. Um, but someone may still feel, you know, it's really a stretch to call this history. History is what we can uh, identify um, by yeah, modern historical uh, understanding. And we can't do that with what we find in the Bhagavatam. <clears throat> well, one way of appreciating, I would say, the Bhagavatam is to give a maybe a crude analogy. Back in the old days, old days, you know, old days, before your time, <laughs> uh, there was in photography, you had actual film, not just digital, you know, invisible uh, ones and zeros, but you had physical film. Negative. Negatives. Yes, that's what I want to say. And black and white, uh, negative. When you look at it, everything is reversed, isn't it? One of my first services uh, when I joined the temple was to develop uh, black and white film that uh, our GBC at that time had been making photos of Srila Prabhupada. And I was uh, given a little closet in the Heidelberg Temple that I could make into a dark room. And there I, I could uh, develop the film and, and print the prints. And it was an interesting experience when you uh, develop a print, you, uh, after you expose it, you put it in this chemical bath, and uh, the image gradually manifests. From white paper, gradually, gradually, you see the image. It's, and so I was gradually, gradually seeing images of Srila Prabhupada, <laughs> one after another. But <clears throat> here, my analogy is that Hmm. how we're seeing the world uh, so-called normally, we may want to say, is, is, is really like the black and white negative. We're seeing the negative and the positive, the inverse of everything we see. 
Um, that's what the Bhagavatam is offering. It's offering uh, a, a reality which is, it's right there before us and yet we get it all inverted. We don't see and therefore um, we find it uh, difficult to, to grasp. Uh, this verse is giving us, um, well, it's a palashruti, it's a common uh, ending of a chapter in the Bhagavatam. Sometimes when there are several chapters of a particular uh, narrative, then the palashruti comes at the end of a few chapters. Palashruti, what is palashruti? Uh, pala means fruit. And shruti means uh, what is heard. So it's the fruit of hearing. And so we get uh, very typically verses at the end of chapters that uh, tell us, uh, you are getting the prize. You have heard this <coughs> account, and now you're going to get the result of hearing this account. Um, we want to know whenever we do anything, what's going to be in it for me? What's going to be the result? <laughs> right? What's in it for me? So, um, Shastras tell us what's in it for us. In this case, uh, what's in it for us, what benefit is there for us, is a spiritual benefit because the Bhagavatam is this inverse of our reverse vision. And so it's saying, if we hear this, or read it, or recite it, um, it says daily, <laughs> daily we can recite uh, the Bhagavatam. Uh, well, we recite the Bhagavatam in general, but this particular uh, narrative. Uh, which narrative? Pritu Charitam. Uh, we know the word uh, Charita from Chaitanya Charita Amrita. Right? Traditionally, a Charita was a biography of a king uh, that would be recited by um, by professional reciters uh, whose, uh, whose job it was to glorify the king, to make the king feel good about himself, uh, about his exploits, his conquering um, all regions and so on. That's the traditional use of charita in relation to, uh, to kings. Well, it, and then we have Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Charita, uh, the Charita of Chaitanya, which is Amrita. It's no ordinary Charita, it's Amrita Charita. It's nectarian. And why is it so? Because it's about Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, whose uh, every step is, um, is a source of, of uh, inspiration of nectar. But here it's Pritu Charita, and Pritu is a king. Hmm. Um, 
And what sort of king is he? He is what we might want to call a primordial king. You know this word primordial? Yes, no, maybe. <laughs> primordial means super, super ancient, original, uh, foundational. He is the model of what is a king, what is a leader. We might ask, indeed, why is it we hear so much about kings in the Bhagavatam? Why, what's this, why is, why is the Bhagavatam so <laughs> hung up <laughs> on kings, <laughs> right? Uh, after all, it's, it's all about bhakti, it's all about devotion, and, you know, we don't really expect kings, for the most part, to be uh, engaged in devotional service. But we could also say, well, that's very much the point. One of the major points of the Bhagavatam uh, is that uh, this is the need of human society, beginning with kings. We talked about this yesterday in the Bhakti Shastri course, Rajavidya, Rajabuhyan, the king of knowledge, Prabhupada translates. Rajavidya can also be translated as knowledge for kings. Mm. It's completely legitimate uh, in terms of the Sanskrit grammar to say that it's knowledge for kings. Why that's so, I won't get into it. <laughs> uh, you'll either fall asleep or you'll get up and leave or you'll eventually say this. That Swami, he just goes into these ridiculous details about things that don't matter. So I won't do that, although it could be interesting for someone. Um, Pritu Charita is uh, knowledge of the activities of Pritu, and we're encouraged to, to glorify Pratayan, Pratayan, Prabhupada translates as translate, uh, as chanting, not translating, <laughs> as chanting. Pratayan, uh, the, the verbal root is prat, and it literally means to spread. And then pratayan means to cause to spread. So. Welcome to the Sankirtan <laughs> uh, So someone who spreads the news about such ideal king as Prithu uh, is, is Vimukta Sangha, is one whose Sangha, whose, uh, whose association is liberated, uh, is free, or who is liberated from uh, bad Sangha. Um, Prabhupada highlights this, um, this longer compound, this samasa, Bhavasindu Portapade, um, which is 
so um, bear with me, little technical point. Uh, Bhagavati, this is Bhagavan, but in um, in the locative form, which means, as Prabhupada translates, unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Um, what is unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Ratim attachment. The whole point of the verse is to say that um, this uh, person, Manusha, who is um, continuously chanting, glorifying Lord Prithu, uh, achieves lavate rati, achieves uh, strong attachment to the Lord. Mm. Um, and so Bhagavati to the Lord, who is Bhavasindu Kota Pada, one whose feet are a boat, Pota, <laughs> feet boat. <laughs> uh, what sort of uh, what sort of boat? A Bhavasindu boat. A boat uh, which is floating on top of this ocean of Baba. And Baba, uh, it's important, this is short A, it's not long A, it's not Baba. It's not Baba Sindhu. Baba Sindhu is a good thing. That would be one. We talked about that also yesterday. That that we want to swim in, that we want to dive into, uh, we want to drown in the Bhava Sindhu. We don't want to drown in the Bhava Sindhu. <laughs> the Bhava Sindhu, Bhava, well, both come from the verbal root bhu, which means to exist, to be, um, but um, there's a world of difference. <laughs> so, um, Baba Sindhu Potapath. The feet uh, of the Lord are very special because, um, it, as Prabhupada is explaining in the purport, if one can uh, be at those feet, then one has already crossed this ocean. So there's lots and lots and lots of glorification of the Lord's feet. And people may wonder, what is this? What are these? What is with these Hare Krishnas? They have a thing about feet, <laughs> right? They're always talking about feet. <laughs> yes, we do have a thing about feet, but not any feet. We have a thing about God's feet, and God has feet, <laughs> and He not only has feet. He has all the other features of persons. And as you know from Canto 3, chapter 21, there's a whole series of verses meditating on, de uh, describing meditation on the features of the Lord's body. And one of these, actually it's the first, I believe it is. I wrote it down. I think it's so, as we say in America, so cool. 
Um, uh, and this one has to do with feet, so I'm keeping to our subject here. Yachocha nisrita saritravarotagena tirtena murtnyadikritena shiva shivotput jatur manashamala shaila nisrishtavacham jaye chidam bhagavatasharanadavindam. The Blessed Lord Shiva becomes all the more blessed by bearing on his head the holy waters of the Ganges, which has as its source uh, in the water that washed the Lord's lotus feet. Okay, so we're getting this picture of a chain of connection. Right? We know the story uh, that the Lord is, is bathed, that's called Charnamrita. And this can be a nice meditation whenever you take Charnamrita from the deities. Um, so that water from the lotus feet, it flows down. And what is that water? It's the Ganges, the Ganga. And what happens with that Ganga? It falls down on the head of Lord Shiva, and as a result, Shiva, Shiva, Abhut. Shiva becomes Shiva, which could be translated in two ways. One is as it is here. Lord Shiva becomes Lord Shiva. He becomes who he really is. Or it can mean Shiva becomes auspicious. He becomes he can be called Shiva. Why? Because of the water from the Lord's lotus feet coming down. That's kind of cool. <laughs> um, okay, Lord's lotus feet. Yes. Uh, now comes the real point. The Lord's feet act like thunderbolts hurled to shatter the mountain of sin stored in the mind of the meditating devotee. Would you like to have such thunderbolt hurled at your mind? Maybe. I'm not so sure. Maybe not. Sounds kind of too much. Maybe I don't really want that. <laughs> One should, okay, then we get the last line, Jayet. Uh, this is uh, this Vidhilin uh, form, the optative, it's a kind of imperative. Jayet Shiram Bhagavatas Charanadavindam. Therefore, one should meditate on the lotus feet of the Lord for a long time. Chiram means for a long time. Uh, but even if you meditate for a short time, there's benefit. Uh, the four Kamaras. What happened with the four Kamaras uh, when they were uh, becoming tourists? <laughs> they, were, they were tourists. 
They were touring Vaikuntha. They said to each other, hey, let's go visit Vaikuntha today, shall we? Yes, And so, so like, I remember about this one story where the four Kumaras come to the gates of Vaikuntha and you have yeah. the two gatekeepers ah. and uh, they, uh, the Kumaras are just, <coughs> look like small naked boys and the gatekeepers don't want to let them through to Lord Vishnu and, uh, and they curse the gatekeepers, so then happens the whole um, the chaos when the gatekeepers fall down to the materialistic world and become Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha. Yes. Um, why did they want to stop them? Was it because they were small boys? Or was it something else? They were naked. <laughs> they weren't following the Vaikuntha dress code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big problem. Okay, so you described very well. But then what happens with the four Kumars? Tasyaravinda. The Lord comes to the door to see what's the ruckus. You know the word ruckus? No, that's kind of slang English. Ruckus means there's noise, there's people shouting. What's going on here? So Lord Vishnu comes, and as soon as he comes, the four Kumaras see them, see the Lord, but they also smell. What do they smell? They smell the Tulasi, and where is the Tulasi? There. Tulsi is on the lotus feet of the Lord, mixed with sandalwood and uh, with uh, the, uh, the lotus, the, the saffron of the lotus. So they get this overwhelming, overwhelming experience, which antargata. Uh, now this is interesting. I think it's interesting. The four Kamaras are trying to enter Vaikuntha. They've already passed six gates and they've come to the seventh gate. And that's where the trouble starts. And that's where they meet the Lord. Uh, this is the seventh and final gate. So they're passing through, they're entering, they're coming into this uh, spiritual space, spiritual realm. But now they're stopped. And then what happens? 
antargatasvabhivahina chakarateshu. The aroma that they smell, it, it enters into them, it enters into them through their nostrils. So their nostrils become gates through which Krishna, in the form of the smell of the tulsi, the aroma of tulsi, etc., enters. And then what happens? Sankshobam, uh, there, they're completely shocked and overwhelmed. Sankshobam uh, akshara jusham, even though akshara, akshara jusham api, even though they were absorbed and enjoying, Jusham means enjoying, even though they were enjoying akshara, uh, the absolute impersonal realization. So that's the four Kamaras. Um, that's their result of coming to the feet of the Lord, touching the feet. Um, connecting to the Lord's Lord's feet. And uh, for us, we pray following Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Ayi Nanda Tanucha Kinkaram Patitam Mang Vishane Bhavangudho Kripaya Tavaparapankaja Stita Duri Sadvisham so, duly, what is duly? Dust. Speck of dust. Sadrisham. Sadrisham means like. So, stitaha. Let me be standing, let me be situated, let me be fixed uh, like a speck of dust. And this is another thing people have trouble with. You Hare Krishnas. <laughs> You're all into feet, and you're all into dust. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to get through life, and you're saying we should become dust. I don't know. It seems like you really want to put everybody down. <laughs> Everyone is dust. Uh, uh, but this is very special dust. <laughs> spiritual dust. And uh, yeah, the promise is uh, that uh, as a result of this rati, attachment to the Lord will take place. Uh, what else can we say? Lots of things. Well, Palashruti, I wanted to share with you uh, another Palashruti that's coming up later in, I think it's the sixth canto in the Bhagavatam. And I think this is the longest palashruti in the Bhagavatam. It's at the end of the story of Gajendra. Uh, as you may know, Gajendra was in big trouble. He was able to remember his past uh, life as King Indra Yuna, and he was able to remember prayers that he had learned at that time, and he was able to offer those prayers to the Lord. To which the Lord immediately responded. He came charging in on Garuda. No, not charging, flying. 
He came flying in very fast, uh, and he saves Gajendra. And um, then at the end of this story, we get a Kalashruti, which, in which it says, one who reads or hears or remembers this story, uh, number one, gains reputation as a devotee. Now you may think, oh, but we're not supposed to be worried about reputation, are we? <laughs> um, well, that's true, but still, it's better to be remembered as a devotee than as something else, isn't it? <laughs> Um, so, uh, second, one is unaffected by the contamination of Kali Yuga. Is that something you would like? Yes. yes. <laughs> then, here's one uh, I think is interesting. One will never see bad dreams. Have you ever had bad dreams? No. Sometimes, maybe. Sometimes weird dreams. Yes. Strange, spooky, crazy. I get it all the time. <laughs> Not all the time. Sometimes. Sometimes I wake up. Whoa! What was that? <laughs> Where did that come from? Hare Krishna. <laughs> And when that happens, the, the next advice is, when you get up after such bad or strange dream, or a crazy dream, then what to do? Chant uh, the story of Gajendra. And then there's several verses where the Lord himself is giving a blessing uh, he's speaking to Gajendra, and he uh, encourages him and also us to be sin free from sinful reactions by meditating on, and now he gives a long list of what to meditate on. Uh, you can meditate on Lord Vishnu's form, on Gajendra's form, on the lake in which Gajendra was struggling, on the mountain next to the lake, on the caves in that mountain, <laughs> on the gardens around the lake, on the uh, sugarcane plants in the garden, <laughs> the bamboo shoots in the garden, uh, on the celestial trees in the gardens, on the Lord's residences, um, doesn't specify where, on Lord Brahma, on Lord Shiva, on the Trikuta peaks, there are three peaks on this mountain, Trikuta, of gold, silver, and iron, on the milk ocean, on Shveta Dvit, on the Srivatsa Mark, on the Lord's chest, on his Koshtuba gem, on his Vaijayanti garland, which has 
uh, five types of flowers. Uh, on his Komodaki club, on Sudarshan, on Panchajanya, on Garuda, on Sheshanaga. There's more. <laughs> you want to hear what that? That's enough. Enough? More. Okay. Uh, we're about halfway through. Sheshanaga, uh, Lakshmi, again Brahma, then Narada, again Shiva, then Prahlad, Matsya, Kurma, Varaha, not Vamana. He doesn't mention Vamana. But I think it's okay to mention it. On my unlimited auspicious activities, so all of Krishna's leelas, on the sun, on the moon, on fire, on the syllable Om, on the absolute truth, on the Mahatattva, on cows, Brahmins, devotional service, the wives of Soma, the wives of Soma and Kashyapa, who happened to be the daughters of Daksha. How many daughters he had? Sixty, I think. Uh, on Ganga, Saraswati, Yamuna, and Nanda is another river. On Airavata, on Dhruva, on the Saptarishis. Or you can meditate on pious humans. Uh, these are all opportunities for getting over boundaries. <laughs> so he says, can offer prayers uh, that are offered by the Gendra after rising from bed. And the result of this is, the Lord says, I give eternal residence in the spiritual world. Hmm. Okay, so anudinam, anudinam, every day, uh, with reverence, adarinam, shinvam, hearing, pratayam, chanting, glorifying, spreading, baba sindhu potapade, we want to be on this boat, do we want to be on the boat of Krishna's lotus feet? good place to be. And um, in this way, what is the result? What's the key word here? Starts with an R. Rati. Rati. Attachment. Yes. Do we want to be attached to the Lord? No? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> It might be a good idea. Why? Because if we're not attached to the Lord, what are we going to be attached to? Forget, forget material world. We're going to be attached to our own bodies, which are deteriorating 
as we speak. And as we listen. Right? Not a good idea. Hare Krishna, Grantarajana Bhagavatamki. Some reflections on any of these points? Yes. Hare Krishna Maharaj. I don't know if it's a good question, but I uh, the seven gates are they located in the same loka? And then I had the connection to the seven chakras. Is it like going to the to the third seven gates going through the seven chakras? Hmm. Interesting. Um, I wouldn't know uh, as far as where these seven gates are. Uh, when I find out, I'll let you know. <laughs> go there. But uh, this would be all beyond uh, the lokas of this world. Mm. There's uh, there's a very large temple in South India, the Sri Rangam, Rangana Temple, and um, they have uh, the temple is surrounded by seven walls, uh, rectangular, and on each side of each wall is a gate, a gopuram. So there are 28 Gopurams. And uh, the inner, innermost gate of, I'm not sure which, whether it's north, south, east, or west side, is the Vaikuntha gate. And that gate is, as I've heard, it's closed uh, for 364 or three days of the year and they open it on one day of the year. And that one day is called Vaikuntha uh, Ekadashi. And it's, I think it's the same day the Lord wakes up after uh, four months of the rainy season. Lord Vishnu has a nice nap and he's in Yoga Nidra, and then on Vaikuntha Ekadashi, uh, he wakes up. Shayana Ekadashi, I think this when he goes to bed, and Vaikuntha Ekadashi, he wakes up. And the temple, I've heard, is totally packed. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, want to go through that gate on that day because when you do that, you've made it. <laughs> yeah. uh, regarding chakras, a devotee once asked Srila Prabhupada about chakras, and Prabhupada responded, Chakras, no chakras. We are not this body. <laughs> but there is one other place I forget now I saw it recently where he mentions chakra um, but it's not something he emphasized his 
I would say his main point was we don't worry about chakras because we, we don't worry about the body. Um, but it's an interesting parallel. It could be that such connection is made in the tradition. One might have to look in the Sri Vaishnava tradition, in their commentaries, but I, I wouldn't know. Or else we could ask the four Kumars. One time, um, I believe it was Mother Vishaka asked Srila Prabhupada, how is it <coughs> that uh, the moon provides uh, the juice of vegetables? Because it's mentioned that the moon provides juice for vegetables. That's in the Bhagavatam. So she's asking, how does that work? And Prabhupada said, you'll have to ask the moon. <laughs> okay, next question that I can't answer. <laughs> yes. called Stump the Swami. <laughs> you emphasize on this point on meditation of the Lord's lotus feet. And a few days ago I was having this discussion with some devotee about sadhana and sadhya and these aspects. And then I realized that at least on a personal level I do not uh, in a way meditate on the sweetness of bhakti so much. Mm. Like there is service and it gives you a lot of bliss, definitely, and there is taste. But then there is this sweetness which comes through really harping on certain aspects of meditation. So if you could perhaps give us some insight into how we can really uh, indulge, or not indulge, but really uh, meditate more on the sweetness of bhakti and the Lord's lotus feet on a daily basis. Uh, where's the nectar? <laughs> When we say lotus feet, this actually implies service. Um, uh, being fixed at the lotus feet of the Lord is means being fixed in service. Um, meditating on the lotus feet can mean meditating on one's service. But not just not just the service, but on the connection to Krishna, that it's for Krishna. Um, Tasmat sarveshu kaleshu mam anusmara yudya cha. Krishna tells Arjuna that, therefore, at all times, sarveshu kaleshu mam anusmara uh, anu means ongoing, like anudi, anudinam we had today. And so, uh, ongoing sm remembrance, anusmara. But smara <laughs> is another name for Cupid. Think about that one. Anyway, mam anusmara 
Yudya Cha. He's speaking to Arjuna and he's not suggesting that Arjuna think of Cupid, or maybe he is <laughs> the transcendental Cupid, uh, Kamadeva. But Yudya means fight. So always think of me and at the same time do your duty. <laughs> now when we think of duty, we don't think of sweetness and nectar. We think, okay, it's something I've got to do. <laughs> it's my duty. I'm being dutiful. There's no nectar, but I will do it because someday there will be nectar. <laughs> I hope. I hope. <laughs> hope against hope. <laughs> um, well, one thing I encourage devotees uh, to do is to read closely Bhagavatam and appreciate the nectar that's there. Um, in particular, I find it rewarding for myself to look a little bit carefully at the Sanskrit, how it provides the word for word. Uh, and it's possible to appreciate. Prabhupada, of course, brings out sometimes in his purport one or another word or phrase, as we saw today. Um, uh, so that can be a source of, of nectar. Um, but um, for us, as followers of Lord Chaitanya, where is the real nectar? It's in the pastimes, the, the life, the, the being, the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that is so because Lord Chaitanya is Krishna in the mood of Krishna's devotees, or more specifically, uh, the gopis, or more specifically, Shimati Radharati. And um, he is he's coming to, <laughs> he's, he's actually coming to pay back his debt. <laughs> Krishna has a problem, and his problem is that he cannot reciprocate <laughs> uh, adequately the love of the gopis. And so what does he do? He comes as Chaitanya and um, and he comes and he accepts uh, the renounced order, uh, which is the order of supposedly the order of austerity. I I, I wonder sometimes. I get, I get the biggest room in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I get nice prasadam. Where's the upstairs? Anyway, the Lord Chaitanya was sleeping on the ground. He was eating austerely. Uh, the point is, he, he is coming as a renunciant, and as such, uh, he is adopting, he is identifying with the mood of the gopis who were living. Uh, in complete austerity by virtue of the fact that they were giving up everything for Krishna. So he, Lord Chaitanya, is experiencing that 
and as he's experiencing it, what is he doing? Or what, how does he occupy himself uh, as he's experiencing that? Well, he chants Hare Krishna. <laughs> he goes to the temple of Lord Jagannath every day and, um, and is absorbed in seeing having darshan and Lord Jagannath. And at the Gambira where he stays, what is he doing? He's hearing the Bhagavatam. Uh, he's hearing especially uh, the verses that um, Sarv Damodar and Ramananda Roy are chanting. And these, what he's chanting, those, many of those verses are uh, quoted in the Chaitanya Charitamita for us to relish. But how do we relish? This is a very nice point, I think, that Madhavananda Prabhu in Puri makes. Uh, and it's the mistake, when it's not understood, it's the mistake devotees make, which uh, takes them in the direction of uh, what Prabhupada heavily smashed one time in Los Angeles, the Gopi Baba Club. As it came to be called, the devotees who only wanted to relish those verses uh, because they didn't understand that the relishing is the, um, the remembering, recitation, discussing on behalf of Guru and Krishna. So to please Guru and Krishna, we hear Bhagavatam. And that also helps us to understand why um, repetition we hear again and again, why that's a good thing. Because we're hearing on behalf of Guru and Krishna. Yes, I've heard this before, and now I'm hearing it again, and that's pleasing to my Guru that I'm hearing it again. <laughs> and it's also what one scholar has called religious reading, as opposed to uh, what he called consumer reading. Consumer reading is, okay, what can I get out of this for myself? I read it once, and if I don't get something, I throw it away. If I get something, I take it and I throw it away. <laughs> but the reading uh, of a devotee is religious reading, which is reading, hearing, again and again. And each time going a little deeper, finding a little more uh, meaning. Um, the word meaning is arta, which is the same as value. Arta is value, arta is meaning. And so we're mining. Uh, the Shastras, or um, as Raja Krishna Prabhu was saying on one of uh, Krishna Prema Rupa Prabhu's interviews for Books Are the Basis, uh, he likes to read in such a way it's like pearl diving. He says, I'm searching for pearls when I read. And, and when I find a pearl, when I find some point, that really strikes me, then I bring it up to the surface and I cherish it. Yeah.
So that's what we're after. And that takes some work. It takes some effort. Consumer reading doesn't take much effort. You've heard the expression pulp fiction? Pulp fiction. It's cheap fiction. It's all the all the um, yeah, all the all the novels that are for sale in in the um, in the airport bookstore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's 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 kind of pulp means uh, after you read it, you can chop up the book and make it into <laughs> paper mache. You know, <laughs> do something with it. Uh, so some effort has to be there. Okay. Yes. Thank you very much, Marge. Um So we were discussing the Parashruti these days, and one point that came up in discussion is how does it work that you know, okay, you recite these narrations and then you get the benefit. Mm -hmm. And so one thing we were discussing is, <clears throat> and also why specifically this pastime has now this benefit. So. Just listen about Prithmaraj, then you get liberated. Once was said three times, you just chant this narration, get liberated with faith and devotion. Um, but so the point is, um, the devotee was then saying that, yeah, basically how he understands is that um, one associates with Prithmaraj in that way, and one gets these um, characteristics that he has. Is that how you would also see it, or how can we understand that? Through this recitation and reading, spreading, uh, we get this benefit. Yeah, we are, um, in effect, cumulatively replacing whatever, whatever in the mind, uh, um, whatever shamala, as it's called. We read that verse. Shamala Shaila, uh, the mountain of uh, of uh, contamination or distraction, material attachments that are in the mind, they're gradually being replaced. Uh, one example could be a cup of water, which has some some kind of impurity in it. If you keep pouring pure water into that cup, it's going to overflow and gradually it's going to, what's in the cup is going to become completely pure. So, something like that is what we're trying to do with the whole process of Shravana Kirtana. We're trying to uh, refill our cup in the Bible it says, my, my cup runneth over, uh, my cup of devotion. So that's, I think, one way of explaining it. Mm. It's also coming back to this point of we hear and we chant um, to please Guru and Krishna, and then the Lord responds to that. This, that's explained. Um, I was just reading it. It's in a uh, purport to 
Canto 10, chapter 87, verse 2. Uh, uh, Toward the end of the purport, it's explained, the devotee makes an effort, the sadhaka makes this effort to meditate on the form of the Lord as described in Shastra. And he's not actually, or she is not actually, you know, directly seeing the Lord. But what happens? The Lord sees that effort and then blesses that devotee by taking the devotee to his lotus feet. So it's all about mercy. <laughs> and catching, catching the mercy. Putting ourselves in a place to get mercy. And on that note, as the bells ring, I want to wish you a wonderful day today in Krishna's service. Srila Prabhupada, thank you for your kind attention. Krishna Kshetra Swami Maharaj Ki Jai!